Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Good morning, everybody. Uh, by show of hands, can I see how many of you were here last week for the healing session? Okay, so just to recap for those of you who weren't here, we basically covered the first part of total healing. And really what the the first part is all about is understanding that if you can believe that Jesus died for your sins, past, present, and future, if you can believe that at the cross all those sins were completely removed from you, and how many of you can believe that? I'm sure everyone, right? If you can believe that, then you can also believe that at the whipping post, Jesus took upon him every sickness and disease so that you don't have to take it. Now, does the king of glory deserve what he paid for? At least three people believe so. I want the rest of you to know, yes, he does. Amen? He does. He deserves what he paid for, and what he paid for is your total freedom. He paid for your total freedom from sickness and disease. He paid for your total freedom from spiritual oppression, and he paid for your total freedom from mental oppression. So that means that you were, you were restored spiritually, psychologically, and physically, which is why we think sometimes, especially in um, kind of a Greek way of thinking, we think linearly. But things aren't linear. For example, you could break the car that you drive down into parts. But one part on its own doesn't make a car. And so, your spirit on its own doesn't make you. Your spirit has a soul and it lives in a body and this is an entire representation of you. Does that make sense? So what's important for us to understand is that in order to know how Jesus fixed the situation we were in, in other words, he completely restored things, in order to know that so that we can stand firm on that, We have to go back and say, okay, well, how was it in the beginning? And what happened that it was taken out? And why is it that it's been restored? Those good questions to have? And when you understand the answers to those questions, then it makes it a lot easier for you to stand on God's promise in the light of a reality that is screaming something completely different. God has called every single one of you in this room blessed. We just heard that in the previous session, if you were here. But if you weren't, you can always catch it later online. Okay? Now, here's the thing. If He has said you're blessed, then how many of you feel blessed? The two of you feel blessed. Three of you feel blessed. The rest of you, could you, be a little, could you feel a little bit more blessed? Did anyone, anyone in the house feel a little bit more blessed? 
I need about four people. I think we can all feel a little bit more blessed. Amen? So the experience of being blessed and the fact that you are blessed, they don't always line up. And the reason is because the reason for why you are blessed isn't, all, isn't always a surety in your heart and mind. Because there are different things that come to try and rob you of that surety. And so the Word of God is the only way to establish yourself on eternal truth that will set you up for success in spite of the circumstances and situations that try and conflict with God's Word. Yeah? So God's standard for you is absolute freedom, absolute blessing, an absolute overcomer and conqueror in every situation. And how do I know that? Jesus. Jesus. Just Jesus, right? Because if you look at Jesus' life, it wasn't like he didn't find himself in storms. It wasn't like he didn't have persecution. It wasn't like people, they all liked him. It wasn't like he did things that everyone liked either. But yet, Jesus was able to navigate the whole space because he understood who he was, whose his was, where he was going, and what he, meant, he was meant to achieve. Now, what are we meant to achieve? Because understanding your destiny will also help you understand how you, how this fits into your life. Because what you're meant to achieve the Bible says that we may all grow up into Christ, who is the head. That we may be fully formed in every way, so that the body might be built up in love. And I am paraphrasing, okay? But it's all in Ephesians 4. So if you consider what I'm saying, then the goal is that Christ should be formed in you to the degree that when people meet you, they wonder whether they've met Jesus. How cool would that be? In fact, there's actually a testimony about that. In my own life, there was a situation where um, I had a, a... How many of you have ever had like a bag full of very expensive stuff? Never? Like, at least it was valuable to you. Like, maybe it had sentimental value, let's say. And then it disappeared, like someone stole it. The first response to something like that is, I'm going to get that person. I'm going to make them pay. <laughs> Isn't it? Everyone's looking at me like, no, no, we're not like that. We're super spiritual. But what happened to me was a bag that probably had about 40,000 rands worth of equipment in it got taken out of my house. And like a good person, I thought I just misplaced it. But then I discovered after searching for about a day that I didn't misplace it. And what was interesting about it was that I had a choice. I could either call, call the angels to bring it back to me, or I could make the devil wish he never took it. And so I, I, I said, well, What's more important, to get my stuff back or to make the devil really know that when he messes with me, he messes with God? Because if God lives here, 
then every time he knocks on your door, he takes a risk. God might come out. Isn't it right? So, so when, when that happened, I thought, okay, hold on. I said to Tam, I said, we're going to phone every single one of the people that we have to cancel cards with. Because, you know, when your wallet gets stolen, it's your ID, your drivers, your credit cards, your account. I mean, it's, it, how many of you enjoy that, having to replace all those? Well, it was actually quite fun. Because every single place we phoned, as you know, it's normally angry people that call those centers. And we phoned with an opposite spirit because we were going to take the opportunity to give prophetic words and to pray for people who were sick over the phone while we were canceling the cards. And we saw almost every single person healed or we had a word of encouragement for them. We made a massive difference in their lives and it was all the devil's fault. Because he just shouldn't have hadn't done that. He shouldn't have touched us. It's because the stuff isn't important. God can replace stuff like this. But how you respond in the midst of a situation is going to be a witness or it's going to rob your witness. And so it went on for a while. There were different things. And obviously in the bag was one of the most important things, you know, your driver's license and my ID book which means you've got to go to those wonderful places. How many of you know which places I'm talking about? You know those places, they're just so beautiful. You walk in there, there's a multitude waiting for the gospel. They've got nowhere to go and nothing better to do than sit there and wait. And so it was another opportunity. So I decided to go early to maximize my efforts. And I needed to get a temporary, so I thought I'd get the, I'd apply for the proper one, then I'd come back the next day and do the temporary so I could really get going. This is so much fun. You see, I think a little bit differently. Because for me, what's important in this situation was to make the devil realize that all he would do was advance the kingdom of God. And that's what we've got to realize, guys. At the end of the day, your destiny is that you manifest Christ in such a way that every time the devil sees you coming, he runs in the opposite direction because he knows that person knows who they are and there's no messing with him. So in, in this whole thing of total healing, I want you to understand that this is something you grow in. You grew in your understanding of your salvation spiritually. If you struggle with bad thoughts, you grow in your elimination of those thoughts by praising God for the word of God that you're renewing your mind with. You put it into action and into practice. And when it comes to healing, you actually have to choose, number one, to believe that it's yours, and number two, that you're going to have it no matter what. Because last time I checked, faith always gets what it comes for. But what if God says no? Well, interesting story. There was a woman who was a Canaanite. She wasn't in relationship with God. She had no covenant with God. And her daughter was ill. And Jesus said no. And she said, it's not good enough. 
Jesus said, I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the Jews first. You know, the terminology he used was, it is not right to give the bread that's for the children to the dogs. That's a very interesting terminology. And then she says, she's not going to pick a fight with Jesus about, well, you're right or you're wrong. She says, no, no, no. Even dogs get crumbs off the table. It's enough for me. You see, she wasn't going to leave without what she came for. And that is what we need to realize. If you're going to have a tenacity for this, you're going to get it. But if you're going to say, oh, always me. I'm just cursed. I just deserve this. It's just God teaching me. You're going to have a problem. Because here's the thing. God will treat you the way you think he should. Go ask Israel. They kept saying things about God that wasn't true. And then God eventually said, fine, I'll treat you the way you say I am. And then they were in big trouble. So you don't want that, do you? No, you need to have a healthy perspective of who God is. And let me give you a good start. Hebrews 11 says, in order to have faith in God, you must believe that He exists. And you know, the cool thing is that sentence doesn't end there. It says that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So there's no chance you're going to seek God and not get rewarded. So if you know that God right, exists, and that he's a rewarder, then it's a done deal. Whenever you seek him, you'll find him. Notice when Jesus said, those who seek will find. He didn't say, those who seek might find. He said, those who seek will find. So there's a fundamental shift that happens, right, between the Old and the New Testament. I'm sure we've heard this many, many, many times. But one of the biggest things is the allegory that Paul keeps drawing between Adam and Jesus. And he keeps talking about the fact that Adam did something on behalf of all mankind that Jesus came to do on behalf of all mankind to undo what Adam did. And so there's a difference between the family tree of Adam and the family tree of Jesus. How many of you remember Jesus saying that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit? And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus was basically saying is, if you're connected to Adam, you're going to bear bad fruit. But if you're connected to me, because Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you're connected to me, you will bear good fruit. So Jesus invites us to leave the family tree of Adam leave the culture of Adam, and to come into a new city, a new way of life, a new identity, a new mankind in Christ. So that now we are born of the image of the man of heaven, and we have left the image of the man of dust. Now why is this important? Well, because... How many of you recall Jesus getting sick? Are you all out there? Good morning, everybody. The reality is Jesus never got sick, right? We don't have any 
example of Jesus getting sick, which means that it is possible for you to live in a place where you don't have to get sick. Is it possible for you to live 100% sin-free? Absolutely. It's possible. It's there. It's available. Just because, okay, for example, Adam and Eve, were they created to sin? No. Did they have the potential to sin? Yes. So just because they had the potential to sin didn't mean they were weak to sin. But you know what we believe? We believe that we are always going to be weak to sin. Until one day, when death finally saves us. When we, when we go to heaven, we'll finally be healed. When we go to heaven, we'll finally be free from sin. But Jesus came to do that now. He came to set you free now. And this is what's important. So Romans um, 8 if you've got your Bible, please go there. I haven't given any words to the guys at the desk. So if you can go with me to Romans 8. I'm going there manually myself. Yeah. <laughs> so Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus. You guys should be half excited about that. For the law of the spirit of life. What law? The law of the spirit of life has, do you notice, has, not will, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and Death. What's this law of sin and death? Well, the tree of Adam produced sin and death. The tree of Christ produces life. It's the law of the spirit of life. Now, what does he mean by the spirit of life? Does it just mean a living spirit? No. He means a spirit that creates and brings about things. A spirit that is life itself. The spirit that is Zoe. The word Zoe is the very life-giving force of God. Amen? If you drop down to verse, um, where is it? Eleven, Thank you. If you drop down to verse 11, it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, I can quote this verbatim, but I want to take you to the verse. Okay? If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your spiritual body. To your psychological body. But does yours also say physical body? So it says the spiritual body and the psychological body is not, being in, is not really in play here in this verse. The verse is saying that the spirit, the law of the spirit of life will literally bring your, your body online for healing. 
Now, how many of you have got the Holy Spirit living in you? I saw at least five people. I've got five. I've got seven. <laughs> right. So the reality is, if the Spirit of God is living in you, then that same Spirit is either trapped by the way you think or is released by the way you think. That's why the renewing of your mind is so critical. Because it's in the renewing your mind that you begin to have an expectation that allows the Spirit of God to move according to your will. Because He won't infringe on your will. God has never operated that way, where He just infringes on people. In fact, only demons do that. We call that possession. Isn't that right? So the reality here is, what I'm trying to show you, is that that spirit lives in you, and it will quicken. The word quicken literally means to bring back to life. Now, if you read the verse before that, okay, verse 10, it says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin. So what brought this death? So what brings sickness? Now, you might say, but Mark, you know, are you saying then that sin makes me sick? No, I'm saying sin in the world has made sickness available. So sin in the world makes sin, I mean, sorry, makes sickness permeate through the world, right? In Romans 5, it says, through one man's disobedience, right, death came into the world, and as sin spread to all men, Death spread to all men. So where did death come from? Sin. Did it come from God? So death was never God's idea. It was a consequence of sin coming into the world. And that's why God said, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely. You see, if I know that when you put your finger in an electrical socket, it will kill you. Any experience? Those people would be dead. <laughs> right, so if I knew that, right, then if I told you, if you put your finger in the plug, it's going to kill you, am I making a law or am I just telling you to avoid something that could kill you? Now, if I knew it would kill you and I didn't tell you just to kind of watch you, what would that make me? So when God tells Adam to not eat of the tree, he's not doing it to try to set him up for failure. He's doing it to keep him from dying. So it was clearly not God's intention that man should die. And what I'm trying to establish with you right now is it was never God's idea for sickness and disease to exist. It exists purely because of sin and disobedience in the world. And so every act of sickness and disease before the cross, was only legal because the devil was able to exercise the dominion that he took from Adam. But now that Jesus has taken back everything and he has paid in full for everything, there is no legal right for sickness to touch you. Any trace of sickness and disease, in fact, is, is a violation. It is a criminal offense, and it's diabolical close to being abused. So don't put up with it. You'll live with 
what you put up with. We will do it. Oh, it's just a little pain. No big deal. Until you need a backup. Oh God, why did you do this to me? God didn't do nothing to you. You just didn't address that thing before it became something more severe and more serious. And how do you address it? Well, I'm so happy you asked because I'm about to tell you. You see, you address it by speaking to it. Fascinating concept. Words. And you know, it's not, it's not the language that matters. It's the intention of the heart in the frequency of the language that matters. Because when I speak in Zulu or in Kosa or in German or in French... It's not about the sounds that are coming out of my mouth. It is about the intention that those words carry. So God said it like this. He said, so shall it be that my words will not return to me void, but they will accomplish the task for which they be. So where does God live? If you believe the Holy Spirit is as much God as God is, then you must say he, he lives here. And when you say God's words with God's intention, you get a chemical reaction. Reality changes. Our problem is, we don't say it the way God would say it because we don't believe it can happen. But God's convinced because He knows better. Are you tracking? So, a person could literally put their hand on someone or just stand and look at them and go, boo with the right intention, and they could get healed. Nonsense, Mark. Okay. One day, a guy on internet, right, on internet, told me that he had several people pray for him, but his arthritis in his leg is still not healed. So I told him, go into your kitchen, find a cucumber. Chop up one thing of cucumber, put it on your left eye, and jump on your leg that sore, and you'll be healed. He did it, and he was healed. The Holy Spirit didn't tell me that. Because the methods are not sacred, the messages. I had to get him out of his mind. Because he was in his own way. He wasn't receiving because he was trying to get it a particular way. Does it make sense? And that extreme example hopefully shows you that there are many ways for someone to get healed. Sometimes people have come up, and like I remember this one instant, my friend prayed for two boys who had no teeth. They, they literally had no teeth for years. They were like in their teens, and they still had no teeth. Within two months, all their teeth grew out after prayer. You know what he said to them? What would you like? They said, we would like our teeth. And he said, so be it. In Jesus' name. And they left, and two months later they had their teeth. Come on now. This is good stuff, I promise. Okay? Jesus said, whoever gives to the least of these my disciples even a glass of water, he by no means lose his reward. Was Jesus a liar? Absolutely not. Just in case you had another answer. So if Jesus cannot lie, then that means it's 100% true. 
That means if anyone gives a disciple of Jesus a glass of water, they could be healed. Isn't that right? There's another way of getting healed. You know, communion is another way of getting healed. I've literally sent voice messages via WhatsApp to people who were in a coma and they got healed. So today, how many of you have got cell phones here today? Take your phone out for me. If you don't have a cell phone, grab a notepad or something. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and that Spirit can quicken your body, then it is able to quicken anyone over any distance. Because the Spirit of God is not restricted by time and space. He is everywhere, all the time. He is omnipresent, present with you right now and present with you in the future at the same time. So right now, with your phone open, go through your contacts and find someone, one or two people that you know need prayer for sickness. Or write it down. Okay. And I want you to write this down in a message, all right? This is what you're going to voice record. In the name of Jesus, be healed. From the top of your head to the tips of your toes. So be it. And then you're going to send it to them. And then you're going to check up on them, and you're going to find out how they're doing. And if they say they still need prayer, you say, play it again, get back to me. How many of you can do that? Only four of you. Oh, I want to see more hands. You, you guys definitely need to do it. Yeah, yeah. And you guys over there. Okay. So why? Because what we're doing right now is we're saying we believe that healing isn't just for me, but it's for someone else also. Amen? So the Bible says, freely receive, freely give. Have you freely received the Holy Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit know how to heal people? <laughs> Absolutely, He does. All right. I'm going to close with this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 45. It says, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. How many of you think there's a difference between that? Living being and a life-giving spirit. So what is a living being? You see this bottle of water? How many of you agree that the spirit has been compared to water many times? So this bottle full of water is like a living being. It's a container for life. You understand the allegory? This isn't alive. I'm just using it as an example. So if I put 
some debris in here, some ink, some oil, some whatever, other sand, things like that. What will happen to this water in here? It'll be tainted. It'll be contaminated. Am I correct? And how can I clean it? Well, I'd have to remove all the life from the container in order to purify the container and the life force that's in the container. And in the process, the container will what? The body would die. Isn't that right? So it's impossible to clean it. So Adam being a life, living soul, meant that whenever he sinned or disobeyed God, it polluted him and he couldn't get clean. Are you with me? But Jesus came along and he connected a host pipe here. And he made a hole here. And what happens when you run water quickly through here? All the contaminants come out. Am I right? Have you ever tried to pollute a water spout? Impossible. That's why Jesus could hug a leper. And the leper got healed. And Jesus didn't get leprosy. Why? Because he was a life-giving spirit. He wasn't a dam. My own joke. He was a river. Amen? And what did Jesus say in John 4 to the woman at the well? He said, if you knew the gift who's asking you for a drink, you would have asked me for living water. Whoever gets this living water from the innermost parts of their being will flow rivers, rivers of living water. And they will never thirst again. Friends, hopefully you can see that you've left the pattern of Adam and you've moved to the pattern of Christ. And that if you can establish this in your mind, that you are a life-giving spirit, then wherever you go, life can be in your words. It can be in your actions. It can be in everything you do so that when people are around you, they feel the life of God. So that when you touch the sick, they, the life of God is transmitted into them. And the beautiful thing is, the Holy Spirit can never run out, so you don't have to ever switch it off. I know this is a lot to digest, but I really want you to take this and think about what I'm saying. Because it means that you step into being the class of being that God has always intended you to be. A life giving spirit. What are you? What are you? Can't hear these guys. They all like, what are you? Yeah, you're a life giving spirit. Please stand for me. Today, if you're thinking about this life giving spirit thing and you're hearing all these things and it's a bit strange to you or it's like, you know, what is the kingdom of God all about? I want you to know this, that God was willing to pay the highest price to make you one of His. To bring you 
into his family and to restore you completely spirit, soul, and body. I want you to know, if you are not born again, if you are not saved, that Jesus is always extending an invitation out to you. Be reconciled to God. The message is, come home. You've stayed away for too long and you've let the enemy rob you of too much. It's time to come home. The life God has for you is far greater than the life you've been living. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come with its fair share of troubles and problems because the world will persecute you. But with God, nothing is impossible. And there isn't anything you can't go through or overcome. So if that's you, even now online, make sure that you hit the button for I want to give my life to Jesus today. And if that's you here right now, with every eye closed, I want you to put your hand up and say, that's me. I want in on the kingdom. I want to give my life for something worth living and dying for. I'm tired of playing around and not knowing where I'm going. I want my destiny. Good. That means everyone in the house is saved. Amen. Thank you so much. Have an awesome Sunday, guys. I have it over to Steve. Hallelujah. Thank you, Mark.